So Money is brought to you by CNET, the site that shows how to navigate change all around us. So Money episode 1424, honoring the future voices of personal finance with Next Advisor, Editor-in-Chief, Adam Ariema. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Torabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. Our aim has always been to show compassion and emotion. And we've always been really very diligent about elevating stories and backgrounds from groups that have been traditionally underrepresented. Welcome to So Money, everybody. I'm Farnoosh Tarabi. It's a big day for our partners at Next Advisor. CNET and Next Advisor are both operated by Red Ventures. Adam Ariema, Editor-in-Chief of Next Advisor, joins us today to unveil Next Up, which is Next Advisor's list of the most influential new voices in money. Personal finance, and I've been in this industry for about 20 years, has for a long time elevated a small number of voices for from a small number of backgrounds. I remember when I first started as a intern at Money Magazine, you know, we had the magazines and we had a few books. There were no blogs, there was no social media, there was no TikTok. And so increasingly, thanks to social media in particular, a new generation of voices is talking about personal finance in a more relatable way. And these people are centering stories and backgrounds that traditionally have been underrepresented. Adam is here to talk about how they made their selection of this year's Next Up honorees. And good news for us, we have a number of these honorees on So Money in the coming days. We'll hear from people who paid off hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of debt, people who are giving a voice to marginalized communities, retiring early, building generational wealth, and starting businesses in some of the most strenuous of times. We've come a long way since the Susie Orman days, but speaking of Susie, Adam also talks about what he's learned and continues to learn from Susie Orman and what he'd like to see more of in the personal finance world. Here's Adam Ariema. Adam Ariema, welcome back to So Money. Exciting news. We're going to be talking about Next Up, your new project adventure at Next Advisor, where you are at the helm. Welcome to the show. Hey, Farnish. Thank you. It's good to be here. So tell us about Next Up. We're dedicating a number of episodes in the coming days and weeks to transformative people in the personal finance space who are telling stories and teaching us about how they're living financially free and independently. We may not know who they are, but we should. Tell us about Next Up. This is kind of exciting. Yeah, sure. Um, well, you know about it because you've been helping, and thank you for that. So Next Up is essentially it's Next Advisor's list of the next most influential people in money. And by that, we mean these are the 25 people whose advice, whose personalities, and whose stories are going to be the ones that shape the way that we talk about money and and who has it and what they do with it. Um, and it's like an incredible group, as you know. I know that over a few episodes uh, of this podcast, your listeners are going to get to hear from several of the Next Up honorees. And it's just like a fabulous group of people. And 
you know, it's partly a recognition of what makes Next Advisor special. So mm-hmm. we have, from the beginning of our journey on this site, always infused our personal finance advice and our recommendations with these personal stories. Because, you know, our aim has always been to show compassion and emotion. And we've always been really very diligent about elevating stories and backgrounds from groups that have been traditionally underrepresented. And so a few months ago, we were sort of reflecting on this just like dozens of fascinating people that we have worked with over the past couple of years. And these are folks who are like all actively cultivating their own communities around money. And so we set out to put together a cohort of 25 people who we really believe are the future of how we talk about money. You've been in this space for you know a while and and I you know you're a big fan of Susie Orman and the OGs of personal finance advice. There's definitely a sea change in like who is becoming the the, the financial expert notables and I wonder from your perch like what is changing culturally where yeah. we are suddenly opening up the the community to everybody. Whereas I feel like 20 years ago, when I first started, it was like a handful of people and they seem to have similar backgrounds, but we are demanding more diversity. When did that transition happen? Gosh, I don't know. I mean, I often use Susie as an example. Like when I first started being interested in money, I was about like my early 20s and I gravitated to Susie Orman, who was on CNBC at the time. And Susie Orman is gay, and so am I. And that like has to be part of what drew me to her. And yet, I interviewed Susie Orman last month for Pride Month. We did a whole interview about her experiences as a gay woman in the finance industry. And for the bulk of the early part of her career, when she was on Oprah every week and she was writing all those best-selling books, like she never mentioned a word about being gay. It just didn't come up, and I asked her about that. And she said, well, no one asked me, <laughs> which, which I thought was such a, that's not how it is today. People no. are centering their own stories, like, first. And, and why wouldn't they? Like, I, one thing is, it's just more effective. I mean, that's just, I think, how people want to receive information and advice these days from people who are relatable. Susie was sort of authoritative and just like sort of telling you what to do and not really couching it in her own experience so much. Well, I would say she was a little afraid. I might take a leap there and say maybe she was intimidated. Let's be honest, because she does talk about her own journey. I remember she would always talk about like starting out in, um, you know, at a, at a, an advisory firm and working with men and like that was part of her narrative like so she had she made choices as far as what she was going to tell you about herself and not and i i don't want to say like she should have or i'm just saying that it was a different time to be outwardly gay and especially in an industry that was not um diverse yeah 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 true different time um so And that's really what we're zeroing in on with this next step list. Because the other thing is like, so I think for whatever reason, people are more open. I think we, social media has trained us to sort of like want people and, and stories and personalities rather than sort of brands and credibility. Like everyone is credible if they have the, the sort of, if they connect with you. And as you point out, 
like representation is important in and of itself. Like you do have to, you know, Queen Elizabeth II used to say like, I have to be seen to be believed. <laughs> and when we're talking about money and telling stories about like people growing wealth and generational wealth and like uh, becoming the first in their families to invest and go to college and, and launch a business and all these things, like you kind of have to see it to believe it. And that's a lot about what this list is about. And it's another reason why I think people are being brave and like putting their stories first because they know how important that is. Just to give listeners a preview of who they're going to meet this week and next, these are honorees in uh, the Next Up event. And we're going to hear from Diana King, who will talk about her you know, shifting her mindset from scarcity to abundance. Ellie Jope, who is, oh my God, what a rock star. This woman took her <laughs> stimulus. She took her stimulus, $1,200 and in the pandemic and mom of four, divorced, living in her living room with her mom, her mom's living room and being inspired to take a risk using that stimulus to start a business. And boy, did she ever. And then building generational wealth. Um, Julian and Kirsten Saunders are, are going to talk about also around this theme of generational wealth, what they're teaching their, um, their son about money, their experience with FIRE, the FIRE movement. Vanessa Mancheka, Wachtmeister, I believe is how we say her name. She is going to talk about Latina investors and in the FIRE movement, women's pay equality, how to double your salary. And then Jeremy Schneider talking about investing um, and maybe some new tips for the modern era. Next advisor, Adam, is very interested in the FIRE movement. You've been covering this extensively, probably more than any other financial publication, I would say. You've mm -hmm. become sort of this premier destination. Um, where do you see the FIRE movement going? And I love how it's also becoming more diverse as well in terms of yeah. how you can approach it. There's lean fire, fat fire, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. and, and you're all, you're at the forefront of exploring all that, but would love your thoughts on this movement and how you've seen it evolve. Yeah, we really, <laughs> um, part of our fire coverage is about like correcting perceptions of it. One of them is that it's predominantly white and like full of like tech bros and people who make a ton of money. And another perception is that it's all about sort of like scrimping and saving and self-denial and living on ramen for 20 years just to sort of retire early. Um, so we're really off to, cause it's actually a much broader, more inclusive group of people who have all sorts of different goals. Um, you know, we really came at it from a social justice angle and financial independence being, uh, a nice thing to have because everyone wants to retire early, but in some ways for some people being an essential thing to have, because when you come from a marginalized group and you're not given the same opportunities in the sort of corporate space or in the lending space when you're trying to get funding or just sort of in our like social and cultural spaces. Um, it is, it feels more essential to set up a truly independent income stream or several income streams so that you're not relying on others. Um, and it's sort of like that it's almost, you know, it's like that smashing the patriarchy type of way where you're like, I'm going to be financially independent because that's the way to sort of reverse the oppression that I'm under. So we started it from that perspective, started digging into, okay, who is seeking financial independence and why? And 
It's so many different types of stories. They're all fascinating. And some people want to do lean fire where they're really going to scrimp and save because that's important. And some are going to do fat fire where they're going to wait a while longer because they want to, uh, you know, step away from the workforce with a little more money to spend. And some are going to do uh, barista fire where they just sort of downgrade to a less uh, stressful job and 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 reduce their their income but also their living expenses and some people are going to do coast fire which i love coast fire is when you invest enough money so that if you just let it sit there for 20 or 30 years you'll be okay and then you can spend the latter part of your working life sort of spending more of your money and enjoying more of your money there's disney fire for people who just want to retire early and spend a lot of time at disney world oh my god <laughs> you, know, you can just like i have a cousin through. like that yeah <laughs> it's weird uh, <laughs> it's weird uh, but yeah just goes to show you there's there's any kind of fire you want, so it's like I like weird though. Weird's good. Weird's good. We're all weird. It's all about the why, right? It's like it's all about the why. Well, yeah. then you're not going to really like the piece I'm working on right now, Adam, which is called FOMO, <laughs> higher FOMO. Um, I think that you know at the same time that fire is getting a lot of coverage, and I think it's great to be honest that there's so many ways to get in and and participate in this movement. You know, to get that fire number, that calculator says, you know, God, take that and multiply it by 25 and do that by 40. And it's like, ooh, that can do a number on your mental wellness, on your mental health. And so um, uh, my thesis is like, you don't have to do fire if you don't want to. You're not doing money wrong if you don't do fire. Um, There's a lot of ways to tackle your finances and still feel like a rock star. I, I mean, I can't argue with that. I No, not at all. And I mean, you could just look at it as like, we all want to get to fire eventually. Like we all do want to be planning a life where eventually we are financially independent because many of us won't have a choice at some point because when we're older, we're not always able to work or we get laid off or whatever. So like we're, it's coming, um, but it is up to you about how sort of how much you want to pull back that timeline. And it isn't important to everyone. Bernadette Joy, who is, a, I believe, an honoree on your list, the next yeah. up list. She was yeah. also on this podcast, uh, coincidentally, you know, because she's just everywhere. And uh, she, she's so great. She, we were talking about fire. She's part of the fire movement, um, paid off $300,000 worth of debt in three years. That included two mortgages. And, um, you know, she kind of agreed with that there's like a lot of hype around fire. But she's like, you know what? Like, let's relax and call this financial independence, relax early. That's her definition of fire. I thought that was really cool. Sure. Yeah. I actually, I totally co-sign that. I avoid the word (laughs) retirement wherever I can. I really do. I just don't think it's like an effective word to use anymore. It, It doesn't mean what it used to. And, and we all need to like imagine our specific version of retirement or relaxing or whatever it is. And I just, yeah, I don't think it's helpful to throw around that word, which is so just like loaded down with baggage. Here's a story idea, like okay. words that we use in the money space that we should eliminate, Yeah, yeah. you know, or we've yeah. evolved and we need to stop saying these things. Instead, look at it through this lens because <laughs> otherwise we may not feel like we're moving the needle or it's exclusionary or whatever the reason is. Can I give you another one that I just yeah. heard from uh, Delian Barros from uh, who also is on the next step list? Um, 
she says, don't call it an emergency fund, call it a solution fund. Oh, I love that. I yeah. know, right? Instead of waiting around for an emergency. It's yeah, like, well, because you know what? Yeah. It gets people stuck. People say to me, I don't want to use my emergency fund. They feel guilt. They feel, I'm not like, but your car's broken. Isn't that an emergency or your plumbing needs addressing, you know, and they don't know where, what, like emergency feels like your house is on fire. Yes, right. No. And <laughs> that's not what we're saying. We're, you know, so yeah, the emergency can be very, can mean different things to different people and it can kind of keep you from um, feeling confident about, you know, your, your savings. And I always say like, that's what your savings is for. You know, it's it, like, you should feel okay to use it, but that's a, a much more um, constructive word. I just learned that the word breadwinner might be a little uh, exclusionary. And, you know, oh. I wrote a book about <laughs> breadwinners. I think I just wrote a piece about um, that they used that was that could have used the word. And we said we used the word the top wage earner or the or the higher wage earner in your household, because the idea of like someone being a winner means the other person might be a loser. Uh, yes. Is that going okay, too yeah. far? Do we feel like we're we're just being a little too delicate or I don't know? I mean, maybe, but like maybe. Like the whole point is like if if reframing things in your mind is it's a big part of money management. So like because like I said earlier on, so much of it traces back to like the why. Why are we doing these things? Um and so if calling it a solution fund helps if calling it a top wage earner and you know breadwinner isn't a great connotation for you yeah let's get rid of it so going back to next up tell us a little bit about what your hopes are for this uh, in terms of you know next year and the years to come I know that next advisor is in partnership with time and they do a number of annual events that center on celebrating innovators and leaders. You know, there's the Time 100 list. Is this, is Next Up going to become like a Time 100 list, but for money? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it is absolutely our vision to one day bring all these people together in real life or many of these people together in real life for conversation and workshops and and you can just imagine all the great things that would happen with all these people in one space um i don't see it as it evolves like i don't see it being like next year a whole new list because it's not like the people that that we're naming now are going to go away next year i see it more as like a cohort that we can add to and that this group of people these next up honorees becomes you know Continue, rather continues to be members of the next advisor family and ecosystem. You know, like these are folks, it's worth pointing out. These aren't just people we like noticed online and think are cool. You know, we didn't go through an influencer agency to find these people. None of them are paid. Like they're, they're just the people that we collaborate with and that we lean on and that help us give perspective and elevate underrepresented voices and inform us. People on this list have like privately reached out to me when they felt that I published something on Next Advisor that wasn't, you know, up to our standards. Like these are, these are people who are real, um, yeah, like I said, collaborators. And so my, my hope is that you see them pop up throughout the year in different ways. Rita Soledad Fernandez Paulino, who's on the list, is hosting a workshop for us next week about I-bonds. When it comes to tax time, you know we're going to call in all these people on the list who are CPAs and asking them to help us figure out what to do. So, 
So yeah, my hope is that this becomes integrated into what Next Advisor does, and and these and these people sort of show up. You know, in some ways, this list is like a recognition of the limitations of a brand. You know, we're only as good as like the people we work with, and as much as we are the we have the credibility of time and the reporting muscle and the editorial standards and all those things that like help us be better. We also need to be surfacing and telling the stories of, of people like these next up on It's like a mm-hmm. crucial part of the part of the puzzle. Well, I have to commend you. It's such a wonderful initiative with regards to underrepresented um, ideas and groups what's an area of personal finance or a voice within personal finance that you wish would be more amplified? From where I stand, I've seen a lot of like, for example, women, women of color rising to lead the conversations around money, which is great. And we want more. Do you feel like there's an underrepresented group that's still a little too shy to come out and talk about money from their perspective? Or you just think we could really benefit from having more of their voices? Uh, I mean, there, there's always going to be more sort of demographics that, that should be highlighted. Um, but the first answer that comes to my mind is a little bit different. It's what's been on my mind lately is I think we need more representation of people who are at the problem phase of their personal finance journey. Like we get a lot of success stories and a lot of people who are like making $10,000 a month in passive income and own three properties and everything. One of my missions for the coming year is to highlight those people who are figuring it out, you know, who just got laid off and need to make an extra few hundred dollars a month. I couldn't agree more with that, Adam. In fact, I was watching this Netflix documentary about personal finance. I think it's called Get Smart with money. It follows four Americans uh, at various stages of their financial lives, all of them having something to struggle with and and then getting coached by various um, experts. What I thought was so refreshing and like, oh gosh, I wish I had, I could like see more of this was the people who were going through it, you know, like a woman who had tons of credit card debt, why that happened. And then a family who, where the dad was a stay-at-home dad, the mom was making six figures and they're making more, but they're also spending more. And they're like, they're on this hamster wheel. I thought, this is what we're not seeing enough of. We're seeing, to your point, a lot of the like, this is what I did. Here's me from five years ago. Here's me today. And here's what I've learned. But to just kind of Bring to the forefront people who are still in it, I think, um, is a great way to bring more people, I think, to this content. Yeah. And when, what you're going to see when you pull up uh, next up, when it launches, um, is each of our honorees speaking directly to, to the camera and a one-minute video sort of telling their own money story. Um, and so you can see many of these people have been in the problem phase themselves. And part of what's special is that like that, that makes them very well suited to like help us tell these, these stories uh, yeah. going forward. Maybe and, like a diary or a journal, like a, like a personal, like, because there's, there's like bringing the problem and then having someone help them. But then mm-hmm. I think there's also something to the effect of like, here's my problem. I'm going to come back in three months or in two weeks and tell you what I've done and whether it worked. Just kind of following that person 
um, live, you know, this person who eventually is going to become a next up honoree probably, right? <laughs> you knew yes. you went. Yes, truly. The next gen. Um, yeah, it, it, you know, the timing going to be better. We're all sort of dealing with a little uncertainty and let, let's just focus on like small wins, I think is a really great way to approach this next year. Yeah, progress over perfection. Adam Ariema, thank you so much for coming back on the show. You're always welcome. I love working with you. And um, we look forward to meeting some of your honorees on this podcast in the next uh, couple of weeks. So everybody stay tuned. You will not be disappointed. I have to say, like having already spoken to these folks, um, just some incredible, incredible finds, Adam. These are I want to go back to these people time and time again. Yes, as you should. And there are a lot of people out there saying shady things about money, as you know. And these, yes. this, is our, this is our service to you. If you want to follow some really great people, uh, this is who they are. Adam, thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you again to Adam for joining us. Check out nextadvisor.com. I'll put the link in our episode notes so you can take a look at this year's incredible list of honorees. And stay tuned to So Money, where we'll be highlighting and spotlighting several Next Up honorees. If you like this show, please leave a review. Subscribe, forward it to a friend. Remember, every Friday, I pick a reviewer of the week to get a free 15-minute money session. I hope your day is so money. So Money.